just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. My name's Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence. Well, for now, anyway. I'll tell you more about that a bit later on. This is the show where we delve into the world of influence and persuasion to help you build your professional authority and to become a more powerfully persuasive communicator. And maybe along the way, learn some of the skills to help defend ourselves against the misuse of the tools of influence and persuasion in life and in business. Each week on the show, I have conversations with people from all sorts of different industries like the personal and professional development world, public speakers, other podcasters, marketers, branding experts, neuroscience experts, and much more besides. This show is to help you develop all the tools that you will need to be able to be effective with influence and persuasion in your professional life and maybe even in your personal life as well. My guest on the show today is one of my own personal business heroes and is actually a mentor of mine, someone who I spend a lot of time learning from. And if you haven't already come across Chris Ducker before, by the end of this, you are undoubtedly going to want to check out more about Chris and what he can potentially do for you and your business. Now, I know Chris as an author, as a speaker, as a podcaster, as a course creator, as somebody who has built an amazing professional ecosystem and product system and is teaching other people to do the same. In fact, I am one of those people who he is teaching. And we will talk about some of that. And we do probably start off with me fangirling a little bit over Chris because he is a really cool guy and I was super happy that he agreed to come and be a guest on the show. One of the things that was really special for me, which I unfortunately could do, is the conversation that Chris and I had after we finished recording, which was a testament to me of how much Chris really gives to the people who he's helping and how much he really cares about wanting to make a difference and helping entrepreneurs like you and I to be able to build sustainable businesses that are profitable, helping, making an impact and making a difference and not just spinning our wheels at the start line like so many people end up doing and often not really getting anywhere and succeeding. So this show really is going to be all about building your influence as a business owner. And we're going to be talking with Chris about what he has found to be some of the most effective ways to do that as someone who has seemingly done all of these different areas of influence and persuasion and done them all incredibly well. So whether you're listening to this show on the go or you're sitting down to take notes, all that remains for me to say is enjoy the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. So 
somebody who, well, I, I always think everyone should have a mentor, right? And today I get to introduce you to one of mine, someone who is an incredible teacher, someone who I have been learning and progressing through because, and who I still very much enjoy working with and connecting with. In fact, just last week had the most amazing one day event. Let me introduce to you and uh, anyone listening, Chris Ducker. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm super happy to be talking to you, Chris. Um, I'm a big fan, of course, <laughs> as I need to be being part of your uh, incubator community. But the the reality is for me, just, just before we really get into it, I first really got connected with you. I saw you for the first time on a video with Pat Flynn, who oh, okay. I've been following for a very long time. Yep. And on that video, you just said something that really impacted me about if you don't have something for sale on your website, how can you expect people to take you seriously? Yeah. Um, and, and I was just watching that thinking, oh my, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I started following you a lot more than I read your book. And then I, oh, of course I got into your uh, incubator community. In fact, uh, even just with connecting with you online, I was convinced when I was speaking to you that it was uh, a bot or uh, someone in your office. And then I realized it was actually you I was speaking to you. And yeah. I was like, oh man, that's amazing. And, and I, I really liked the whole journey into coming into working with you. Well, I appreciate Jesus. all those kind words, dude. And yeah, I mean, Pat and I have known each other for a, a long, long, long time. I mean, we're well over a decade of friends now. And uh, he's actually the godfather to my little girl, Cassandra. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting because when Pat and I first kind of got to know each other, he was the freebie guy. He was giving everything away for free, like literally everything. And I used to you know, just beat him up, like just beat him <laughs> up about it verbally. And eventually he sort of you know, doing more and more affiliate marketing. And then he got into courses and then he got into speaking and then he got into, you know, running events with me as well as on his own. And uh, he's the perfect example of somebody who understands the power of the personal brand, understands the importance of being respected and having a strong reputation, but also understanding the opportunity that if you don't monetize it in a proper way, then not only will you not really be taken all that much seriously, but also you're kind of letting yourself down as well as the other people that are within your ecosystem, within your community that do want to invest in themselves yeah. to be able to springboard their own growth based on your experience. Right. And that's really what fires me up more than anything about anything else about this whole situation. When we talk about mentors and coaching and personal branding and things like that, that we're in a position right now where people are investing way more in themselves than they ever have done before. And the vast majority of people are doing it because they want to go further faster. It's that simple. I didn't have a mentor when I was 30, 32, 33, 35 even. But I know that looking back, yeah, I had people that would take mentorship roles for me, but it wasn't it wasn't a transactional relationship. It wasn't a long-term relationship. There was no real accountability built in in any way whatsoever. And so for me, that's where the power of working with mentors and coaches is, is that you can mm. ultimately really move much faster in terms of everything you want to achieve because they've already been there and done that. And they can help you avoid those potholes and focus on kind of doing the things that you need to be doing rather than the things you think you might have to do, you know? Yeah, and I, I can attest to that since joining your incubator community, my progress has been rocketing and I've been- Dude, you're crushing it, man. Are you serious? Don't hold back. Like you are, <laughs> you're doing, it's night and day compared to when you joined up. Night and day. Yeah, I'm totally. Very, very proud totally. of you. 
Yeah. Thank you. I, I feel like I know where I'm going and, and, I, and I'm on the path, but also that that's one of the things that you did, which we'll come to, I think we'll hopefully get to touch on a bit later about laying out that path to mm. making it happen. Because I think some of us get lost in the weeds when totally. we're yeah. starting out with businesses. Certainly one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on the show isn't just because I've learned so much from you, even just in the, I think it's probably only about 12 months that I've been uh, learning from, maybe even less than that, but, but not just because of that, but because you are probably one of the few people who I've had on the show who really has been in, involved in pretty much all of the areas of influence and persuasion that I generally like to talk about, like public speaking, like writing books, like podcasting, and I'm going to run out of breath before I finish that sentence. But <laughs> that, that, that's one of the reasons why I really, really wanted to speak to you. I think you, you have a bigger view picture than probably many people do who are, who are being on for more more specialists like people coming to talk specifically about public speaking or talk specifically about the books. Whereas with, with you, I think we can probably encompass a lot of that as well. You're certainly someone who I look up to in, in terms of, of business and learning from and I look forward to continuing to, to learn from you. Who is someone for you though, in terms of influence and persuasion, who you would say you look up to and for how they've utilized their influence? Oh man, so many great people. I think it's interesting. The one person, whenever I get asked that sort of type of question, the one person that just instantly comes into my mind and I do mean quite literally instantly, is Zig Ziglar, which is pretty amazing because I never met Zig at all. But there's something about the way, and I've been, I've been listening to Zig since I was like 15 years old. I used to get his audio tapes at the library. And there's something about the way that he would string his words together. I mean, he was an incredible public speaker, incredible trainer of salespeople. And when I left school, and I started my sales career, I instantly kind of went back to, you know, to read, see you at the top and all those other great Zig books. And for me, it, 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 it's just something about the, his teaching and the way he taught that I've always connected with the stories that he tells, the, you know, the lessons that are embedded in the stories as well. Like he would seed those lessons so well inside of the stories that it was almost impossible for you to not sit up and pay attention to it. And if anybody's watching or listening to this and they haven't consumed some Zig Ziglar, either audio or video, go to YouTube, Google his name and just watch a video or two. You'll know what I'm talking about. And even now it's impossible for me to read a Zig book and not hear his voice in my head. They kind of, you know, that American accent. And he does the whole thing with his voice. I'm just like, I love Zig Ziglar, man. Bruce Lee has been another massive inspiration for me. I discovered Bruce in the summer of 85, 86. And I was around a friend's place and his dad had an old Betamax video. There you go. Showing my age now. Betamax video of Enter the Dragon. And I must've right. watched that film. 20 times at summer holidays. I just fell in love. And so, you know, what a lot of people don't know about Bruce is that he was a lot more than just a Kung Fu movie star. He was a big time philosopher. He was mm. a philosophy major at University of Washington. And he was just an incredibly inspiring guy. And if you read anything that he put out, you realize he was a lot more than just kicks and punches. And so I go back to those two guys pretty regularly. If I feel like I'm struggling a little bit, or if I feel like I need a, a bit of a kick up the pants or, or if I need to kind of just double check on how I'm doing or why I'm doing certain things, one of those two guys will usually tick a box for me. Now, bringing it to kind of like present day, I'm very lucky to have a lot of very, very good friends who are also ridiculously successful 
people. Dan Miller of 48 Days fame has been a longtime mentor of mine. Michael Hyatt, you know, even people like Carrie Wilkerson, who, you know, who was the Barefoot executive. I stalked Carrie online when I first got active online for years. I'm not um, sure you should be admitting to that on a podcast, Chris. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> she knows we've become, I mean, we're like brother and sister now. So yeah. we've become very, very close. And, you know, over the years, she has, there's something about that mama bear approach that she takes to helping people that I just really resonate with. She's super smart, super just full of empathy and knows when to shut up and just listen. And I think that's a big part of coaching and mentoring as well. So yeah, I'm blessed, man. I've got a lot of great friends, great mentors yeah. and coaches that, you know, I've learned from and continue to learn from for sure. Yeah, I mean, on a, on a personal note, I think Carrie and, and many of the people who have been introduced to you through your community have just been phenomenal people who I'm so happy to now know about and be connected with because I, I learned so much from them as well. And you know, we can, I think we can pretty much judge people by the company we keep, right? And Absolutely, you, keep, you can. You keep, yeah. some, you keep some pretty top, some pretty top <laughs> company, Chris, I have to tell you that. And uh, so, so moving on from that, I mean, in terms of your own, business life, what, what really moves you to want to do the work that you do? People winning. That's what I want. I, I don't, ex I don't expect anything of my clients actually, other than them just doing the work. That's it. Like I don't, I don't expect, although, you know, every August when it's my birthday and every Christmas, I get great gifts from people, which is amazing. Uh, one of the best gifts I ever had actually was a signed vinyl a record of one of zig ziglar's seminars from like 60s or 70s or something right. and it was actually signed to george see you at the top zig ziglar i'm like well i'm not george but i'll i'll take the gift that's phenomenal you know so little things like that bottles of whiskey i get because i'm a whiskey and bourbon collector i get lots of cool whiskey and you know all of that to one side what i want my clients to do yourself included is for you to follow the path is to not try and deviate away from that and to genuinely just take it one step at a time and not try and do too many things all at once. I often say that, and as you know, we work on 90 day sprints, right? So every 90 days we come together at our intensive event and we look at what's happened in the last 90 days. We learn something new. We listen to lots of cool people and then we plan for the next 90 days. Well, that, that planning, is super important. In fact, anything, you could dump the rest of it and just focus on that last hour that we spend with each other and you still get plenty. Because if we don't work our plan and we can't, or rather if we don't plan the work, we can't work the plan, right? That's important. If it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. And so when I look at that 90 day plan, if you have any more than like two things on that plan in the next 90 days, there's only one reason that I won't pull you up on it. And that is that if you've got a team in place, right? If you've got a VA or a bunch of VAs or a bunch of team members that can help you execute on those individual tasks, then that's great. Have as many as you want on there. But if you're a one-man band or maybe you just, you're a solopreneur and you've got maybe one VA full-time, you've got to look at where you're spending your time. And so I just want people to do the work, man. And, and by the way, if you don't do the work and you don't get the success, you can't blame me as your coach. Because I've given you everything, yeah. right? I've given you everything you need. You need to just go ahead and put your foot down on the gas 
and make it happen. And so that's what drives me. That's what drives me whenever I'm putting training content together, whenever I show up live to do a training call or when I'm on stage or even when I'm being interviewed like this, like I just want people to understand the importance of taking action and not BSing themselves about it. It ain't going to fall in your lap. There's not a leprechaun that's going to turn up with a pot of gold for you. You need to get up every day. You need to put your big boy pants on and you need to get to work. It's really that simple. You know? Yeah. yeah. But many of the things that you've done on your journey have created a level of influence that you're at now where a lot of people know who you are. A lot of people would have encountered your book. A lot of people maybe listen to the Upranam podcast that they have some connection with you. Maybe they're, maybe they're in one of your Facebook communities. Of all the things that you've done on your journey in terms of building that level of influence, what do you feel has been the most effective for you or what's really been the most bang for your buck in terms of where you put your time and energy? I think probably my books. If I, if I had to put, if I had to pick just one thing out of all those things, probably the books, because if you look at everything else, like the podcast as successful as it has been, you know, if you're not. I don't know. There's something about it, like being on stages, being interviewed, putting out your own show, doing all these things. It's all, it's all well and good. If like you say, if people can discover you in a way where it's kind of almost like that six degree of separation thing, right? Where, oh, he said they're good. Like you just said it yourself. Like I met Carrie through the incubator, through me. And you know, it's things like that where that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But when we think about how we've learned for decades, for hundreds of years, how we've discovered things, how, how we've grown our knowledge bases for you know decades and hundreds of years, books have been at the very center of everything, right? And they still are, as far as I'm concerned, even in this digital age. And there's just something about having a name on the front cover of a book that provides pure value from cover to cover that you can't, I don't think you can really put a dollar amount on it. I mean, you know, if you traditionally publish it, you'll make a couple of bucks a book if you're lucky. If you self-publish it, you make four or five times that amount if you're lucky. But at the end of the day, the real success, the real wins attached to being an author is, you know, you're seen as a leader in your industry. You're instantly recognized as that leader in that industry or that niche because You've got a book with your name on the front cover. And also, more importantly, more than anything else, the people that pick up the book and read it and hopefully put into action what they learn. And we're talking obviously business books and things like this right yeah. here. You know, that's where the real win is because if they discover something that was in your book and put it into action and get a win out of it, they're not gonna sh they're not gonna keep that to themselves. They're gonna share that. And that's how you get to the point of selling 10, 20, 30, 50, 100,000, 150,000 copies of a book. It's not because 150,000 people are out there ready and waiting to buy it. No, it's because their friends are talking about it. And that just takes us back to the oldest form of persuasion and influence. And that is word of mouth, yeah. right? Word of mouth. You're After your own opinions, you're way more likely to believe the opinions of somebody that you know, like, and trust. And so that's where word of mouth comes into play as well with everything. So yes, a long-winded answer, but books. I could have yeah. just said books and that would have <laughs> been it. But you'd have missed all that gold there, Johnny. We would have. And, and I do prefer it when my guests expand on their answers, <laughs> at least a little, Chris. You know, it make, makes my life as a host a lot easier. Um, yeah. one, one of the things that I love about the uh, Upreneur Incubator 
uh, I know I'm sort of going back to that a lot, but I mean, it's been very valuable to me because I've done all sorts of courses and programs. I've learned from all sorts of different people. And, and yet I feel that none of them have ever really sort of, I'm not going to say held my hand in quite so because it's not really handholding, but no, no one's really set it out quite like you have uh, for me anyway, that you build this foundational level, then you build on that and then you build on that and you build and you keep going up these levels with it to, to see what these are the things you need to have in place, or at least most of them, depending on the kind of business you have. And, and to see it all laid out like that just made so much sense for me. Now, in your, in your roadmap, the book is kind of high up on, <laughs> on, on the level. So there's a lot of foundational stuff to do first. And I think maybe this is some of the stuff where people do get maybe not lost in the weeds, maybe lost in the wrong word, but maybe time uh, run before they can walk. Most people don't want to, either don't know how to, or don't want to take the time to set up all the foundational stuff that's actually going to lay the groundwork for that stuff in the future. Is that something that you, you saw very clearly creating that? Over and over and over again. Yeah. People like the idea. I mean, we're using the concept of the book. We're talking about that as an example, really above and beyond everything else. But people like the idea of having a book and saying, I'm an author and selling their book on Amazon, right? But if that's all you've done as a business owner who is building a business based around your expertise, then when people pick up that book and they like what they see and hear from you and they want to reach out and end up doing business with you, what else have you got for them? Nothing. Which is why we cut everything else, you know, above or rather below in the roadmap towards that book part there that you mentioned, um, is all geared up to not only actually a have something or other things to sell to people who come to you that want to invest in learning with you, but also it's also about making sure that not only can you sell something, but also you've already built up a certain level of community and a certain following over the work that you've done before the book comes out so that when you do release the book, it's somewhat of a success, right? And when you look at the fact that 97% of all nonfiction books never sell any more than a thousand copies in their lifetime, that statistic is horrific to think about. All the, mm. all the, Let's just bring it down to brass tacks. All the trees that have been chopped down for the paper that have been printed onto, you know, used for books to print and no one's buying these books. Like it's brutal if you think about it, right? So I, I just feel like it's just a smart way of setting it up. Number one, so that you've got a community that you can launch the book to. And number two, you've got other things that you can sell to those readers as and when they come your way. And by the way, on the subject of books, things have changed a lot in the last 10 to 15 years or so. 15 years ago, if you had, even, even 12 or 13 years ago, if, if you had a good book idea and you could get an agent to sell that book to publishers through a proposal, if it was really good, it was likely as a first time author that you'd get a book deal. It might not, you might not have made a six figure advance or a seven figure advance, but you probably could have got a book deal, right? Nowadays, publishers, they don't want just your book. They want your email list. They want your podcast listenership. They want your YouTube videos. They want your social media followers. So it all becomes part of the proposal now that if you don't have all those things in place before you put the book out, chances are you're probably not going to get a traditional 
book publishing deal anyway. So yeah, there's pros and cons to it all, but ultimately this is the way that I like to teach it because I've seen people do it the other way around and generally it's not the best business model. Yeah. No, I would say from, from my own perspective, and one of the things I saw as well, like podcast, you put somewhere high, a bit higher up the uh, ladder as well. And, and as someone who maybe started a podcast <laughs> quite early on, it makes sense to me now. It's like, oh, I wish I had known that. I wish I'd had that realization right. before because I know how much work goes into a podcast and I know how much, not so much down because I've more, more systemized things and I, I have, I'm more familiar with doing it, but it just makes sense to me that, like, yeah, it's probably not one of the first things you should do because so much needs to go into it. It's not going to be a horrible thing to do, but it's probably not going to bring in the income. And it's like all this stuff that really you do need to take care of these foundational levels first. And, uh, and even for myself, I think, yeah, there are times, many, many times where I've damaged myself as an entrepreneur trying to get to those higher levels without doing all the stuff that needs to happen to get you up there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the, you know, again, going back to the concept of build, building the community before you launch the book so the book can be successful, exactly the same with a podcast as well. Yeah. Exactly the same with a podcast. You launch a podcast, no problem, go straight up onto Apple and everywhere else. And yes, it will be discovered by some people. Absolutely. But if you could launch it and you had an email list of 500 people and half of those people opened every email that you sent, you would have 250 people ready and waiting to not only listen to the show, but subscribe to the show, to download your launch episodes. And before you know what's happening, boom, you're at the top of the new and noteworthy and uh, you're ready to rock and roll with lots of new eyeballs seeing you. Way more eyeballs than if you'd have just launched it into the ethos with, you know, sort of not, you know, with nobody following you at all, you know what I mean. Which, which is kind of what I did. I was having, <laughs> I was having, having that discussion with uh, Mr. Mark Asquith uh, a few weeks back, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, very aware of that. It's, it's one of the things you don't, you don't know what you don't know at the time, I guess. But it. Um, it, it does make sense to reach out and, and try and get a strategy or a plan before you start doing anything, especially if you're looking to potentially do it as some kind of business. I guess my issue was. I didn't start a podcast as part of my business. I started it as a fun project and it ended sure. up becoming a bit and, more And that. that is, you know, I, I don't want to kind of like discourage people. That's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. If you go into it with the mindset of, I'm not looking to make money out of this. Yeah. Right. If you're doing it for fun, if you're doing it for connections, if you're doing it for relationships and stuff like that, then go do you, do your thing. It's all good. But if you're, if you're going into it thinking that you're going to publish a show once a week and that you're going to make, you know, $10,000 a month in sponsorship, that you're kidding yourself, plain and simple, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a regular listener to your podcast and, uh, I, and I wonder for you, what were the things that, it, that made you want to start that? What said you're right? It's time for my time for me to do a show. Well, so I've had, how many have I had? One, two, three, four different podcasts in the last 12 years. The first one that I started was in April, 2010, which makes me a veteran podcaster, apparently. It does, yeah, it um, does. I, this is the reason why I have gray hair and what little hair I've got left is gray as well. So I, I feel pretty qualified to talk about this as a medium. And although there are way more successful shows out there, I will say the reason why I started it to begin with was entirely selfish. I wanted to get, cause I was, although I had been online since the mid nineties, I had never really utilized the internet for anything more than like email 
Google searches and like watching cat videos on YouTube. Right. And so when I got in, once we got started with our kind of online journey as a, as a group of businesses, I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, what's the easiest way for me to be able to springboard off and piggyback off other people's lessons and, and growth habits. I know <clears throat> I'll find these people. And I'll interview them. I'll start a podcast. And my wife said to me, you've never done a podcast before. Well, like we've only heard about them like six months ago. Like what's the deal? And I said, well, I've got a computer and I've got Skype and I've got a call recorder and I've got headphones, right? With a little mic on it. I, I don't need anything more. And so what I did is I launched the first show, Virtual Business Lifestyle, where I talked about building a business. And we were, we were piggybacking a little on Tim. And the four hour work week, a little bit outsourcing and delegating and automation and all that kind of stuff, but it worked brilliantly. And so I started reaching out to these old school veteran internet folks like Chris Brogan and David Merriman Scott and all these guys that have been doing this for like 20 years and slowly, but surely over the course of a couple of years, I just got connected to more and more and more people. And every time they came on the show. I would just ask them questions that I wanted the answers to myself, but it just so happens that everybody else that was tuning in was in a similar position that I was. They were learning all this stuff for the first time as well. So they absolutely loved it. And then in 2014, I launched uh, my first book, Virtual Freedom, to which I attached a, a limited 25 episode series as a podcast uh, to help promote it in the run up to the book coming out. And that worked brilliantly. Then myself and Pat Flynn got together and we did our one day business breakthrough podcast, uh, which was, I think we did three seasons of that. I might be wrong, but I think we did three seasons of that. And we only ever were supposed to do one. And everyone was like, we want more. So fine, we'll do another one. And then they want more. We'll do another one. And they were like, that's it. And then there's the Youpreneur show. Um, and the Youpreneur show is coming up on 8 million downloads now. And I still, to this day, when I'm interviewing people on that show, it's purely selfish. I just want to know the <laughs> secrets, man. And because I know that that formula works, I know that my people like you who listen into the show, they also want to know the secrets as well. And so, you know, I will say when you say like, what's been the biggest, you know, needle mover in terms of the overall growth of my personal influence, it's been the book mm. hands down. But in terms of building my network and relationships and, you know, my Rolodex, to use a very old fashioned word, the podcast has been the biggest game changer there, without a doubt. All of the super close friendships that I've got in the industry now with folks like Lewis Howes and Gary Vaynerchuk and Amy, you know, Porterfield and a whole bunch of other folks that, you know, the list is so long now. These are people I've genuinely spent time with, I've broken bread with. I can text them whenever I want. You know, these are the people that I've, I've met all of them, all of them pretty much through my podcasting. Yeah. 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 I think that was one of the things I had no idea about when I got into podcasting and was one of the unexpected benefits, the amazing network that you build up. And mainly I find that's because the vast majority of people who do podcasts are not doing it with the sole intent of making money. I'm not saying that that's not there. there. There are shows that are like that, but the vast majority are not. They're doing it because they have a passion for what they do, because they care about it, because like you, they want to have those interesting conversations and, and find those secrets from people. Although I will say, I, I also get 
just as much value out of your solo solo episodes as I do about of any of the ones that you have with your guests as well. So yeah, that- well, and I appreciate that, and that is very specific. For the longest time, I was just an interview show. I mean, we're talking years and years and years and years, and then probably around 2017 when I kind of started doing more coaching, more mastermind sessions, more programs, you know, that sort of type of thing. It was very like I needed to position myself as a genuine expert in the niche. And so you can do that through solo shows. So for anybody that's thinking about starting a show where they want to be able to create those relationships, but they also want to be able to position themselves as a leader, as an expert, the easiest way to do that is to flip-flop between the two formats. So one week you'll have an interview, the next minute you'll have a solo show, an interview, solo, interview, solo, and so on and so on and so on. And that's pretty much what we do now, you know, week for week, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. As as someone who's where you are in the industry, as a host, as a presenter, as a speaker, you, know, you have a confidence, you have experience. And I just wonder if you were always someone who was very comfortable speaking and presenting, or if it was something that you really had to develop for yourself. It's a good question. I, you know, when I was younger, I was pretty shy. I was quite short up until kind of like I reached, I reached like 13, 14, and I grew like something stupid, like eight inches in one year or something crazy. I was pretty short dude. And the one thing that I always did enjoy doing though, was making people laugh. And so I would do silly impressions. Back in those days, my impressions were like, dare I say it, Jimmy Savile and, you know, Prince Charles, best avoided, best avoided you know, name, yeah. you know, all that's, <laughs> we'll, we'll blurp out his name and, <laughs> you know, all the people, like Prince Charles, I used to do this thing with, uh, well, mummy, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And now it's a horrible impersonation, but when you're like eight or nine years old or 10 years old and you're doing it at a family barbecue or something, and everyone's had a little bit of alcohol, it's pretty funny to see a kid doing that. And so I think that probably helped me build up the confidence. And then what happened was actually going into sixth form uh, after high school, you have to do presentations, right? You've got to, you've got to show your work. You've got to talk about essays that you've written and all that kind of stuff. And I realized that I was actually pretty comfortable standing in front of my classmates and my teachers talking about things um, because I was always prepared, Johnny. That was the thing. I think the people who mess it up are the people that get up on stage and kind of don't have a game plan. They, they figured, oh yeah, I'll just talk about this for half an hour. That's a recipe for disaster. You might be able to talk for half an hour on a topic, but it doesn't mean that any of it's going to hit home with your audience. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference between, you know, looping in stories, you know, punching out the odd joke and, and writing, pre-writing and rehearsing certain sections of a talk, such as your opening line, your closing line, and maybe two or three other what I call tweetable moments where you say something uh, and everyone's like, oh man, that's good. I've got to tweet it out, that kind of thing. And I've actually been on stage with people where I've said something and I've said, yeah, I know. You want to grab your phone and tweet it right now, don't you? In fact, you know what? I'll wait. At Chris Ducker, hashtag event. And this is what I said. And I'll literally wait for people to tweet it out. You know, these are the things that I think that, you know, that's the difference between like a presenter and a real kind of true note, you know, keynote speaker. Mm. Um, and although speaking is not something that I go out to, to kind of get on my schedule on an annual basis, it does come to me probably around about six to eight gigs a year I do. And they're always at good events. They're always with good people in attendance. And I enjoy doing it, but it, I don't say I'm a speaker. 
right? But I can speak because I know I know what I'm going to talk about. I've got a good amount of experience to back it up. Um, people can argue with me and and put their own opinions their way. That's absolutely fine. But I'm comfortable enough being in a position where I feel like I can get up on stage or present to a, a group of people online where uh, I know enough to be able to not fall flat on my face. <laughs> there is an interesting thing I think many people don't consider that a lot of the times, well, I think probably we all have clever things we could say or, or, or wise things we could say, but it does make a difference who's saying it and in what context they're saying it. Like you do have to have that level of credibility and authority for people to go, all right, I should be pay paying attention to that. This person knows what they're talking about. This is someone I should listen to because, you know, you could say something deeply wise and very valuable to people, but if you have no track record, no credibility, nobody knows who you are, they are going to be thinking, why should I care? Why yeah, should I exactly. listen to that? Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, when you do have that track record and you've got that, that, that influence, if you want to call it, understand that, you know, these one-liners, these little takeaways that you can convey to the people that follow your work and subscribe and things like that, like they can come to you at the weirdest moments as well. Like, you know, middle of the shower, just before you're going to go to bed, when you're walking the dog, you know, or whatever it is. And actually it's, it's, it was really interesting about two weeks ago. Um, yeah, just, just under two weeks ago, my wife, my kids went to the Philippines for a three week holiday and I'm kind of left in the house on my own for the first time, literally quite ever. And I thought, well, okay, that I can, I can keep myself busy during the day. There's lots going on, which is the reason why I'm not going with them. But in the evening, it's going to be tough. So I need a show to watch on Netflix, something I can just watch an episode of every, every night. And I don't know what attracted me to it at all, but I started watching this show called Top Boy, which is about youth drug dealers in London on mm -hmm. like housing estates and stuff. And it's so not my usual kind of drama, but two or three episodes in, I was actually getting into it, Johnny. And every now and then one of these, you know, street kids, uh, you know, or, or, you know, street drug dealers and, and everything or money launderers or whatever they had in the show, they would come out with something that was so good that I hit, I hit the pause button and I'd have to come running into my own office here and write it on the board. And there's two or three things on the board behind me that I've kind of like rewritten so that I can pass them on either in videos or podcasts and things like that. But you know, they're not word for word for what was in the show, but now I've rewritten them in a way that I can convey them to my audience and my clients in a way that hopefully it hits home and they, they understand it and kind of go with it. So these opportunities to be able to get these little jewels will come to you no matter you know, where you are, uh, it's the weirdest moments, just be really, really intentional about capturing them when you hear them or see them, because, you know, a minute later, they're gone. You'll never yeah. remember them, you know? But that's really important. I was listening to a while back, Gary Vaynerchuk on Jordan Harbinger's podcast. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, I guess if you're going to go on a show like Jordan Harbinger's, like one of the biggest podcasts out there. Um, you want to be well-prepared. Like if I was coming as a guest on your show, I would want to be really well-prepared. So Gary had some stuff that he very clearly had prepared that quotable stuff, stuff that he knew was going to pop and stuff that was like, yeah, you will want to write this down. You will want to write. And I said, that was so clever. It was just yeah. so clever to have that stuff. And like, yeah, most people would just go on and blah, blah, blah on a podcast. He went on there like, right, this is quotable stuff. <laughs> this is the stuff that totally. we need to, to have those memories. Yeah. So, yeah, being prepared for this stuff is, is 
all the difference to just going out there and, and winging it. And uh, one of my buddies, Stu McLaren, who uh, runs like a membership training education business, been in business for a long, long time online. And he, his big thing, the way he sells his products and services through telling stories, that's his thing. He does it better than most people on the planet, quite frankly. And I remember I had him on my show a while back and I asked him like, you tell all these great stories when you're being interviewed or when you're live on Facebook or like, how do you just quantifiably, how do you remember them all? Because in one hour, you won't tell one or two, you'll tell like seven or eight to make a point. Like, how do you remember it? And he said, you know, it's not rocket science. You want to know how? I just have bits of paper stuck up all over my office. I've got the name of the person in big black letters and then like two or three talking points of where they were at, what I worked with them on and where they're at now. And I'm like, this is gold. Like, why are we not all doing this? Like I have a number of client stories that I can pull off relatively easily, but having those visual cues in front of us means that we get the stories right every single time. And that is very, very powerful indeed. Very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people out there are just delivering information without the stories, uh, and the stories are actually a really key part of the uh, persuasion factor when when we do get the opportunity to. That's what keeps people audience. tuned in. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all very well wanting to learn something, but if you can back it up with a real story behind it, then you know, it's just so much more endearing, so much more powerful. Yeah, I know we don't have that much time left, so I want to get to a few things before we do start to wrap things up and. One thing I do want to say, I, I learned a lot from you and I've learned a lot from your book and I have a uh, very kindly sent me a copy and I have the audio book already and I greatly appreciate all of that and we'll keep learning from you. I wonder for you, like if I came to you and said, Chris, other than your own book, which everybody should read, what books would you recommend? The ones that have maybe made an impact on you, if we just had one or two of those books, what are the ones that you would most recommend to people? So, okay, let's go with three books. In terms of particularly in terms of business, if that's okay. First up, I'll go back to Zig. See you at the top, Zig Ziglar. One of the best books ever, plain and simple. Number two, I would say, although it's probably a little dated now, Gary's Crush It. I remember picking that up in like 2009, 2010, thinking to myself, I'm going to be a YouTube star. This is going to be great. You know, just the power of like personal branding and how you could genuinely make money off of what you enjoyed. I think he said cash in on your passion or something on the, on the subtitle. Just a great book. And still to this day, you probably could still pick it up and pick up some incredible, incredible lessons. And then the other, you know, there's another book. God, there's so many. There's another book called Rocket Fuel that I read for the second time just recently by Gina Wickman. And it talks about the really important relationship between the visionary in a business, usually the owner, the CEO, and the integrator. Right, somebody who does all their dirty work, right? That manages the team and all the rest of it. That that's been a very, very important book to read as well. But I mean, if I'm to be honest with you, Johnny, like, you know, I probably have close to three or four hundred books on the shelves behind me here. They go right up to the vaulted ceiling. And there's so many great ones to pick. It's so hard to quantify it into just a few. Yeah, I must admit, I struggle myself sometimes because I get through maybe uh, two or two or three books a week, and so uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to pick the best. Yeah, particularly ones if you're so listening to them as well, yeah, right? Like I, when you're out, I'm an audio book guy. There yeah. are times now where, you know, I don't know about you, but like I used to buy books at airports all the time, but 
but I realized that I would read a book, you know, in the crappy lighting that you get in the cabin on a plane, I'd read a book for 30 minutes and my eyes would get all tired. I'd have to rest. But if I had an audio book on my phone or my iPad or something, I could listen to the entire thing. LA to New York, bosh, I've just done the four hour work week. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting the way that we consume stuff nowadays as well. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. I want to ask you, uh, this is one of my last questions for you. No, I had so many more. What's oh, your... we, we can do some more. Go on. We can, okay. we can go for a little bit longer. Go on. Okay. But what's your influence and persuasion superpower? I'd like to say my incredibly good looks and wit and charm. I don't know, actually. I, I think that, uh, hmm, superpower. I think the one thing that I am pretty good at, and yes, this would be influence personified, actually, is bringing people together. I'm a very good connector of people. I think I've been running events from 10 seater round table, private masterminds, right the way up to four or 500 people in a conference kind of thing. And, you know, I always say it and many people probably hear me say it more than five or six times and they, oh, that's just, a, you know, that's a, that's a bit. He says that all the time kind of thing, but I mean it genuinely. I'm really blessed to have the overall worldwide community that we have around everything that we do. And when we do, you know, when you put an event on in London, England, and you've got people flying in from 37 different countries around the world, as far as Australia and as close as France, you know, there's something to be said for the person that's making that happen. And I think that, you know, having the ability to bring all these different people from all these different walks of life and backgrounds together to genuinely learn with each other, network, party, have a little fun and do all those things together. That is a superpower. And I don't yeah. care like what language you speak, what color your skin is, who you love, who you don't like, we're just all the human race. And I just love the idea of bringing people together to further their goals and their dreams. And that's genuinely, I think something that doesn't necessarily come easy to everybody, but it does come easy to me. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of lucky for it. Yeah. If we were okay to go on a few minutes more, then I, I'd like to ask you what has been perhaps one of your own toughest challenges as a business owner and entrepreneur. Oh, that's an easy one to answer. Delegating, letting go, you know, getting out of my own way, whatever kind of way you want to put it. You know, I burnt out in 2009. We've been building the business for a few years. One morning I couldn't wake up, you know, oh, well, I could wake up, but I couldn't get out of bed. My wife called the doctor. We went to the hospital. We did blood panels, we did scans, you know, all the rest of it. And I was basically, I was diagnosed with acute exhaustion, acute dehydration and mild depression. Right. And that came about as a result of sitting on a chair for 15 hours a day for three years, building my business six days a week. And I was, the reason why that was happening is because I wouldn't let go. I would do everything. I would do the hiring, I would do the training, I would do the managing, I would do, you know, I'd walk around our IT server room in our facility, looking at cables like I knew what the hell they did. Like it was ridiculous, Johnny. It was ridiculous. And the moment that I got out of my way and we, we actually hired eight people in 2010 to replace me in the business. And this is a business that is a multi seven figure annual revenue business still to this day. And now I spend about 30 minutes a month on that business talk with my general manager 30 minutes every month. We have virtual Starfinder, which has just hit 12 years. I spend about 30 minutes a month on that as well. 
So I've become really, really good at delegating now, but that was the biggest lesson, biggest hurdle, the biggest stumbling block was understanding the power of surrounding yourself with really good people that you don't have to do it all yourself. You don't have to wear all the hats. That's been the biggest game changer, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that I was writing about that in my blog last week. And then was, I think a lot of people are heading towards this burnout journey themselves because they mm -hmm. are trying to be everything and do everything and uh, be everywhere, be on all the channels and see that, you know, we always get these new voices coming up. Someone is killing it on TikTok. All right, I, I need to do that. I need to go on TikTok. I'm killing it on Instagram. Oh, I need to do that. I need to go. We, we get all that all the time. And it's the shiny object syndrome. And it's all this thing that we should mm -hmm. be in all of these places. And yet, most of us are trying to do that, but we're not really ready to expand beyond that. Totally. What, what do you think is the cure for people who are like maybe spinning their wheels at the, bit, at the moment or trying to banging their heads against the walls, trying to do too much too soon? Well, I think genuinely, they need to look for a coach. They need to look for somebody to show them the way, just like I did. You know, I, I don't know the exact dollar amount that I've invested in masterminds and coaches and mentors over the year, but in terms of like, you know, their fees along with travel and hotels and, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, man, more of a mill, maybe more even quite literally. And that's because. I'm not superhuman. I've got problems. I need to fix them as well. Halfway through the pandemic, I started getting all these gut issues. I was just like, why is my stomach so bloated all the time? Why am I, why am I waking up with a painful stomach and things like that? And so I hired a nutritionist uh, who specializes in gut balance. It ain't sexy, but it cured the problem. I was eating too much crap, not working out at the right times, drinking caffeine at the wrong time of the day and all the rest of it. Right. So, you know, I think that if they're really struggling, if they're spinning the wheels, they're trying to do all these things that they see everybody else doing. One of the easiest ways to get over there is to hire somebody to help them figure it out. Because sometimes you're too close to your own situation to realize, you know, where the exit is on, on the issues that you're experiencing. And having a coach or having a mentor or being part of a mastermind, you know, I put them all in sort of the same category, um, is a great way to be able to make sure that you overcome those problems. But then even more importantly, uh, make sure that you don't experience them again, right? And and yeah. stay on the right path and and forget about the shiny objects and bloody TikTok and all the rest of it. Like you don't, you don't need TikTok to build a successful business. You don't. I know this because I'm not on bloody TikTok and I'm doing just fine. You don't want to do you those know? silly dances and stuff. No, I'm not doing that. It's interesting. Chloe, as you know, my daughter, she runs all of our social and she's always saying to me, um, you know, cause I'm quite active on Instagram and she says, yeah, dad, we should get you doing some reels. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do a reel or two. You know, what, what do you want me to do? And she goes, you know, these ones where they point, you know, and then text appears. I'm not doing, it. I look a right plonker. I've got no intention. <laughs> Of wanting to do anything like that at all so it goes back to what we talked about you know at the beginning of the call like do things your own way you know you only have one life and if you are particularly building a business based around your experience and your influence and the things that you're known for or want to be known for then you shouldn't try and copy what gary vaynerchuk or me or you or anyone else for that matter is doing you should you can use some of their tactics and strategies sure but you've got to do it your way as early on in the journey as possible. And yeah. if that means you need to kind of correct the course a little bit and move in a slightly different direction to the one that you've been going, then, you know, spin 
you know, spin the helm right there, man. You got to spin that wheel at the helm much earlier on as possible because you've only got so many time, you know, so many days in the week and so many yeah. years on the planet. Yeah, for, from, from my own journey, that's what, what I recognize that. And I see that very early on, I think maybe I didn't do that as much as I should have because I, di I didn't really have the feedback. I didn't really have the, the following or the things there to, to show me that. And it was only really sort of understanding those foundational elements and have, having to build up and say, oh, it has to be that. It has to be you being your authentic self because anything else, you will get you will get called out on it. If you're trying to be a, a Tony Robbins knockoff or a Gary Vee knockoff right. or a Mel Robbins knockoff or whatever, you will get called out on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, and then, and then it's done. Then you're finished. Yeah. Right. Then you're finished. So, yeah, just do you. Don't lie. Don't BS. Turn up be you all the time and, you know, just help people, man, you know, to, to end on Zig Ziglar, he said, you can have anything in life that you want, as long as you help as many other people get what they want. And so amen to Zig, I'll take that <laughs> on board every single day, man, every Absol single day. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, I, I could talk to you for hours, but I know that you don't have that kind of time, but I am looking forward to spending some time with you in person in, in a few months so uh, and getting to meet yeah. you for the first time as well. Great. I'm very, very excited for that. Thank you so much for, for your time today. It's been an absolute honor to have you on my show and I look forward to continuing to learn from you in the future. There'll be links in the show notes for anyone else who would like to start taking that journey with you too. Thanks, man. It was a real pleasure. You're an inspiration, dude, so keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you did, please make sure that you are not only subscribed to future episodes, but share the episode out with your friends and network as well. It's the one thing that makes the biggest difference in helping me to grow the show. And you can consider that to be the price of admission into all this great information from amazing guests like Chris. Sometimes I record a show and I just know that I'm going to have to go back and listen to it and make some notes. And for me, this is one of those shows and maybe for you as well. So it's well worth going back and taking a note of all those different things. But do go and check the show notes and get those links and maybe even consider coming and joining myself and other like-minded entrepreneurs in Chris's incubator community, which for me has been one of the best guidance systems for your entrepreneurial journey. I mentioned right at the start of the show that speaking influence may not be speaking influence for that much longer. This is because things are going to be changing, but not that much. So you're still going to be getting great guests and we're still going to be talking about influence and persuasion. And we'll be having more of a focus on the podcasting side of influence and persuasion, speaking with more people who are building their professional authority and extending their influence and persuasion through podcasting. Not exclusively, but certainly it's going to be a more guiding feature of the shows coming up in the future. And with that, the name of the show will be changing as well. So I hope you will stay with us through that transition. We're still going to be bringing you a lot of the same great content and hopefully bring you even more exciting and interesting guests and topics and book reviews and the likes. So please do stay tuned for the show at this exciting time. But right now, if you are listening to the show on your device, maybe you have that in your hand right now. If you have your device handy right now, please do make sure you are subscribed to the show for future episodes. On Apple Podcasts, it's really easy to do. Just press the plus button on the show and on any other platform that's very easy to do as well. It would mean the world to me if you were able to leave us a review for the show. 
One thing is it tells me how well the show is going and what you like and what we could maybe work on improving, whether there are particular guests you'd like to see, those kinds of things. Really easy to do on Apple Podcasts. You can also do that on podchaser.com and you can now leave a star rating on Spotify if you would like to do that. It means the world to me. Podcasters love getting feedback and it is so rare, but I really would appreciate that as well as you, of course, sharing out the show and more than anything, the fact that you come along and listen to the show. So thank you for tuning in to this episode. I hope to see you again for another episode very soon. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make great things happen.